Hey there, you know, I don't know how to say this nicely, but you're not really good enough to charge that much. And really, there are enough really good musicians in this town already, so you can just stop. Oh, uh, also, I know you have two degrees and an instrument worth more than my car, but can you play this one for free? So these are thoughts that you would probably never say to a friend or colleague. And yet, why is it okay that we say these same thoughts to ourselves over and over? It's not okay. It's time to start believing what you're worth, charging what you're worth, and stop selling yourself short. How do we start doing that? Well, we're going to tell you right now. Well, welcome back to the Per Service Podcast. We exist here as a podcast to help classical musicians find out how they can live a happy and successful life in the performing arts. And we do this by actually talking about our insecurities, the things we learned the hard way, some encouraging books we've read, and by bringing in super interesting people like bassoonist extraordinaire Sarah Lee onto the show. Now... We're not an interview show. There are lots of those out there. There are some great ones. If you're into that sort of thing, go check out Crushing Classical, Contrabass Conversations, The Young Musician's Guide, Clarinet, Musicpreneur, all really great shows. I'd be here all day if I listed them all. So unfortunately, we just don't have the space to really get to know each of the hosts in depth. So to learn more about who we are and more about our special guest today, visit our show notes page at perservice.co slash 26. But first, this episode is made possible by Fix Music Publishing. If you haven't checked out this website, seriously, go look them up. The next time you need to buy some sheet music, start here. It's a beautiful, simple site that won't attack your eyes or your bank account when you're just trying to find some sheet music. Seriously, they have free shipping on all orders over $30, and they currently are stocking violin, piano, and small ensemble selections like trios and string quartets. So visit fixmusic.com. That's F-I-C-K-S music.com. And if you use the promo code PERSERVICE at checkout, you can get 10% off your order. Okay, here is the show. Anybody have a good hey guys, have a good way to get started? Today's podcast is about pricing. Hey everyone. Hey everyone. He- hello? Everyone, today we're gonna talk about pricing ourselves. That sounds like prostitution when you say it. Like, I know. That's what well, I was thinking. We are the too. per service prod- podcast. <laughs> okay. Christian is not amused. No, I was trying to think. Well, there are two situations came to mind. One was an old Montel Williams clip. Or it might have been it might have been the Ricky Lake show. There wow. was a great there was a great show where people where people were talking about, you know, like how they get things for free or whatever. And this girl was like, Oh man, I love to go through Taco Bell and like if I just go through in my bra, like they'll give me some, you know, food for free, blah blah blah. And then this woman said <laughs> up, she was like, Are you trying to tell me your body ain't nothing more worth more than like an eighty nine cent taco? <laughs> like soft shell wrap. It was so funny, uh, and ever since then, I was—I just reminded myself. I was like, my body more. is worth more it's than an eighty-nine taco. It's actually not a bad point. Yeah, and this it's is a good life very lesson. appropriate for today's Ooh. discussion, and a great right. way to start a podcast. Yeah, and actually, so who is this? The this- mysterious <laughs> voice joining us today. Ooh. And it, do you want to introduce? Voice. 
our guest today. Yeah. Today we have our good friend, Sarah Lee, who does not make pies. <laughs> not well. But well, she could. She could, though. I mean, has a, f- you know, just a really great name for it. Um, but Sarah it's Lee. It's not yeah. my name. It's my married name. It's not my fault. <laughs> Sarah Lee is a bassoonist, and she and her dog, Lundy, are here in New York today. She's taking a lesson, and she's going to bring some wind perspective to our episode. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us. Great having you. Yeah, it's nice having you because we just by design have a lot of string perspective so far. And so we're like, we have a big blind spot to the rest of this wind and brass world. And I guess there are percussionists too someday, maybe. But So thanks to the wind and brass and pianists and percussionists who put up with our string talk. And also, we want you to feel more yeah. included. <laughs> so here's that. So today... Uh, we're talking about selling yourself short, and there's two categories that I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about. The first being kind of selling yourself short to yourself and not really believing what you're worth. And then later on, we'll talk about actually selling yourself to other people or like setting your prices for things. So, kind of to get things started. I don't know. I guess a lot of this kind of stems from when you get out of school. At least that's when I really started realizing it for me was all of a sudden you have to really believe what you're worth or like believe that you're that you still want to do this and that you that you're good enough to continue with music and to play music. And for me, I had a lot of self-doubt as to if I was good enough, which which I think shows you that it it was for me, I was really separating what I wanted versus where everybody else was and if I was good enough. Did you guys have sort of the same dilemma when you got out of school? Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like I definitely had those thoughts and it led to me being in situations which I gained a lot of experience, knowledge from, but maybe weren't the best because they didn't provide financially. And so I did have a crisis of like, what am I worth? And maybe, maybe it was a good thing that I sold myself for nothing for an 89 cent taco <laughs> to do tons of work and tons of rehearsing and commit tons of hours. But um, yeah, that I personally went through that. I was going to say, I, I still go through those doubts. Where I'm like, am I, am I good enough to do this? Right. I don't know. That's like, it's the constant dilemma of the artist. <laughs> I was going to say it's a little different for wind players. We don't often have the opportunity not that we don't have the opportunity to sub as often, but there aren't as many like violin or there are more violin positions than there are bassoon positions. To, oh, sure. Um, and so it's it often is a lot harder to get in. So in terms of leaving in yourself to get into a section, I don't know. It's a little bit different. You know, it's there are only so many sections. So you're in it or you're not. That's really, I was really curious about this because like as string players, it's like, oh yeah, you get out of school, start subbing. It's like, yeah, it's what happens because there's tons of spots. There's lots of turnover because violinists are super squirrely. We're like, oh, I found a better gig. I'm going to go to that. I'm gonna, I found a better gig. I'm going to go to that. And for wind players, it's like legitimately there's only two spots, like maybe three, right? And chances are right. those two people have them locked down in you know a two hour radius of whatever city. You know, It's probably the same two people drive around and play all 
called the little regional orchestra. So right. Well, for example, like when I moved to Erie, the woman who played principal bassoon in one orchestra and second bassoon in the other orchestra, there's a chamber right. orchestra and a philharmonic in town. Um, mm-hmm. And she had had those positions for 35 years and yeah. retired the year that I moved there. Wow. Okay. So like the stars aligned, but that is the reality for bassoonists in that you can be someplace and that is 35 years until you get the job. Right. You know, that's like, would you also like, <laughs> you know, you had your master's degree, right? Is, do, would you finish your just master? Right. Did you do art, uh, and artist an artist diploma? diploma. Right? So it's like you, you mm-hmm. it wasn't just yeah. like, Oh, Hey, I just happened to be right. so, <laughs> the next, the next right. person in line. Oh. It's like, you were also super right. qualified. Well, I had to audition for them, but yeah, even the fact that they were open was, was like a miracle. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's hard because like you have to have the confidence I don't know. Like I always say, it must be better and worse to be a string player because at least there are 5,000 string positions open all the time. But then that must be terrible to feel like, well, should I take all the string auditions or should I take one or should I take half? Or for bassoon, it's like, there's one open this year. Let's go. But then there may not be one open for a little bit for like a couple of years. So then you're like kind of out of audition practice. So I don't know which one is better or worse. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Right. Do you see what I'm saying? So like you have to have that confidence for like, all right, when it comes, I need to be ready and I need Mm -hmm. to know that I deserve this. Right. Because you have to walk in there saying, I may not get this today, but I deserve it. I'm, I'm good enough for this. I could win this because I am a good enough player. Mm -hmm. How many years out of school were you? Until this came up? The Erie jobs? Yeah. I'm just curious what you did in between, you know, in between graduation and this. Like, <laughs> is there an opportunity? Yeah. Okay. See, so this, this is what I would, Yeah. This is what I'm also curious um, about. Well, so I moved to Erie where uh, my husband's a medical resident. I, I finished my artist diploma in May of 20. 20- 14, the woman stepped down as principal bassoon with the chamber orchestra in January of 2015 and won the job fall of 2015. So it was actually pretty darn fast, but I did have a whole year. I worked a job. I was an administrative assistant at a university and did spreadsheets all the time, which was very sad for my heart. I worked with great people, so I can't like totally poo-poo it. But Yeah, but that's probably hard to do office job and still be practicing and still being like, I'm still a musician. Right. So it was also super hard because I was actually subbing a lot at that point with the Phil and the chamber orchestra before I like won each position. So I would get up really early in the morning and practice and then work eight to five, stay at work and eat dinner and practice a little bit more and then play in the orchestra from like 730 to 10. That's hustling right there. Yeah. So that was a hard year, actually. Yeah. Did you, did, I mean, but did you have to battle some of those? Like, am I selling myself short feelings or like, am I, yeah, basically like I'm, I'm worth more than this. I've studied, I have these degrees and yet I'm working an office job. Like, did you have to battle right. those sort of feelings or was it, oh. is it just kind of like, I know this is a means to an end. Like eventually the position will open up and until then I'm just bridging the gap. Right. So that's the funny thing. I think those transition periods are so short and so long. One day you're like, oh my gosh, I am doing great. I get to gig with this orchestra and this is just a step to the next step, to the next platform, to the next, you know, and you feel so confident and and you're ready to go that day. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) If only you could have that focus during that time and just know that it's just a time. But, you know, every day you feel so different. So it, you know, I think I think a lot of it is is remembering to stay in that 
mind game of this is worth it. I, I know I'm just doing it temporarily and I know my worth at the end of the day for what eventually I will do. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. I think it's when that season gets prolonged. Like I know we have friends or it's been us before where we are constantly feeling like we're selling ourselves short and it gets to be a pattern where you're like, man, is this all that the music world has for me? I think that's been my question here and there with, you know, my seasons of not working as much as I would like to. And with New York being competitive, just feeling like, is this eternal? Is this all I'm worth? Is this all I'm ever going to be? Like, am I never going to reach that next level? Like, I feel like I struggle with that now, you know, even though I've maybe bumped up a notch. Yeah. I feel like when's the next level going to come? How long am I going to stay at this one? Totally. Have you guys ever played a gig that was actually so bad that it made you question that, you know, like, yes, okay, what am I doing with my life? Or like, is this really where I'm at? But then it, rather than sinking into that pit of despair, you said, actually, I am worth more than that. And you said, okay, I'm just not going to do that gig again. Like, I'm not going to play with this group again, or I am going to start charging more or maybe only taking the gigs that pay more. Like, I think there is a way, I mean, when these things happen, you either let them, you know, knock you down kind of like a wave, right? You either like let it pull you under or like you say, actually, no, I'm going to go swim somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, I I think yes, yes. And yes to all of the things that you have said. (laughs) There have definitely been times I'm like, oh my gosh. Do you have a specific uh, memory of one? Well, I mean, there have just been groups that I've played in that it's just, I mean, every minute is painful and it's not only painful musically, but then I know that the check is going to be painful because it's not (laughs) worse. You know what I'm saying? It's not as much as I think I'm worth. Double whammy right there. However, those have also usually been the times that I cannot be picky. Like I'm desperate. I have recently moved somewhere, you know, or, or like I'm the new person in town or whatever and I have to pay rent. And so... I don't have a choice. I have to take those gigs at that time. And then for me, it becomes a mindset so that you don't want to kill yourself or like throw your violin in the trash or your bassoon in the trash or something. What's well, the one you said the other day, uh, the last episode, throw, throw your violin in the road. Yeah, just throw it in the river. It was, it was, oh, the river. Usually I like to throw it in a body of water. The river or the road if you don't have a river. Yeah, I usually yeah. try to throw it in a body of water. Yeah. Okay. Um, it just seems more dramatic. Yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, And then it becomes a mindset and I've like, I've recently kind of come off of that. And the mindset I had to do is like, you know, but I'm playing, I am making a living Mm -hmm. doing what I want to do. And then it becomes the mindset of how can I better myself during this rehearsal Mm -hmm. as a player? Or maybe it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to have a good time. Like I have a friend doing this. Michael and I have played some things together that are not like necessarily the most musically satisfying yeah but you know it's we decided hey we're gonna have fun we just have a good time make the most of where we are right now yeah exactly like right in that moment you can't be anywhere else so it's like you might as well i don't know and it sounds sort of cliche like well the attitude is the only thing that you can control but it's like that's kind of what it is it's like you can't you you already decided you're gonna you're gonna stick out stick it out for the rest of the concert uh actually i just i just heard a con i heard a story of a uh a cellist who walked out 
in the dress rehearsal and was like, I, I can't, I hate this orchestra. I hate this conductor. I hate my stand partner. And just like left. And it was like, why, why would you make it all the way to the dress rehearsal? And then decide that it was like, you're yeah. missing out on, you at least wouldn't get the paycheck. Like you could at least stick it out for another three hours and, you know, and, then, and get the paycheck and then never come back. But whatever. I do have to say there is this really beautiful moment. I don't know if you guys have experienced it before um, where you're sitting in a gig and you know how much you're making and you suddenly realize it's not worth it and you can choose and you're like, you know what? I don't need to take it again. Yeah. Like when this comes up, I now know it's not worth it. And that actually feels, I guess, terrible because you're still sitting in the gig. I'm specifically thinking of like, I don't know if you guys ever have to do, maybe it's more something I have to do as a bassoonist, but commencement hmm. is like the vein of my existence. That. Oh, my well, gosh. like how we feel about weddings, I'm going to say. The bass line. Yeah. Oh, I just like. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I just can't even because it brings back some traumatic. Is it a trigger? Yeah, it is a trigger for me. <laughs> that bass line, I can't even sing it. But anyways. Uh, that's one of the my ones people where, will know what yeah, I'm saying. you're like playing for a, <laughs> for a huge school or something, you probably have to like right. just keep and looping like, literally, it like, guys, until, until 5,000 people. Three hours. <laughs> It makes you want to die. And so like, anyways, but you all of a sudden you realize like, oh, this isn't worth $5. And you may like, it also can, can be one of those things where you're like, <laughs> oh, I actually have an audition coming up that I need to practice for. And so this is not worth my time anymore, actually. And it's, it's wonderful to be at a point where you can say no to the money and you know that you're worth more. Like that is a fantastic feeling. I don't know if you guys have felt that before and you're like, okay, lesson learned. I can now have the confidence to, because it takes confidence to say no to gigs after you've been crawling up the mountain, trying to get money and gigs and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It feels good to be able to say no. I don't mean that in a negative sense. No, absolutely. But, no, no, it does I, feel good. And I, and I feel like I, I do want to chime in here and say that one hidden respite along the way that people don't take advantage of is sometimes if the gig, if you, if you know maybe the booking manager or you're just, if the gig is maybe not too serious, you can say, you know, I can't make it to these two rehearsals. Can I still, <laughs> no, really? Yeah, you say like, but can I play anyway? Or like you kind of pick and choose what you can do. And sometimes they will still say yes. And it saves you. I mean, it's surprising how just two rehearsals fewer in a project. Oh, saves your soul. Yeah, can save your soul. And then you realize, okay, it's not so bad. Maybe, okay, I made, you know, 200 bucks less or 100 bucks less, whatever. Then than I would if, if I played everything, but I am sane <laughs> and I don't want to kill myself yeah. or anyone around me and it's okay. And this is something I'm actually going to be doing in two weeks. It's my wife's birthday, her birthday weekend. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm just not going to play the gig. And then I told them I wouldn't play and they're like, ah, but if you mm -hmm. just don't play the concerto, then you don't have rehearsal Saturday night or Sunday morning. And I'm like, ka-ching. Awesome. Ka -ching. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but yeah, I love when that works out. Yeah, and so, but that's the thing, you know, say rather, okay, I don't have to say no to the whole gig. I just, you know, to half of it and I still will feel sane. Can I ask you guys uh, real quick about sort of the elephant then in the room is taking the free gig or like, w is it ever okay Ooh. to play for free? Have you guys done it? Did it? Like Sarah, what's, Sarah's what, pointing what are sort at of the, the guidelines of if you take the free gig? Um, I can speak to that because for two years I played for, sometimes I would get $150 for working the entire week, being the personal manager of the librarian and the concert master. <laughs> you wow. also do the dance and choreography? That's $50 yeah. per cap. Yeah. 
<laughs> per hat. Yeah, it's basically the worst fee ever. But some weeks I didn't get that for an entire year. I didn't get that. So I will say that I learned invaluable lessons because um, it was a conductorless group. And sometimes it was very much worth it to gain that experience, the leadership experience, because as you all know, if you're in the position to lead an orchestra and you can't cue right, then that's going to make you look stupid. And I think that being able to cue, knowing the score, these are all very valuable things. I learned a lot about personnel and administration. So I have, you know, empathy for those positions in an orchestra because I know they're not easy. And I, I can't say with 100% confidence that it was the right choice for me. I can be glad for what I gleaned from it, but it was very stressful. And I think in that, you have to be extremely selective in what you choose to do for free. Right. However, I can cite a recent a recent victory in which I played a gig that was like three days and I only got like 250 or something. And I did it because it was a gig, a Baroque gig that was like going to bring me joy. And from that gig, I got a really awesome connection last week and was able to do this amazing gig. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of have to weigh these things and be like, are there going to be people at this gig potentially that can give me future work? Um, and can I afford this low fee or this no fee for this this event to make it worth it? Sometimes that's, it is, and sometimes it turns. That's sort of what no I think reward. is that if there are, <laughs> it's like if you are going to be a part of a orchestra or like a chamber group or something where there are other influential people there, like it might be, it might be worth it to meet those people. That especially if they are contractors for other work in town. Sometimes if it's like just if it's just you playing for exposure or something like a lot of times these those don't lead to anything like exposure you can you can starve playing for exposure you know or i think maybe the another situation is is if you're getting something in return like if you are there's going to be a photographer there that you can get some headshots or some like some pictures of you playing in action or something like that that might be worth it i I, i'm not sure do you have any other sort of guidelines like that I think it, I think you can take a free gig for networking. For example, a while ago I played a gig in Vienna for actually for a band who wanted a string quartet or string quintet or something, you know, to kind of accompany him. And it was then broadcast live on the radio. It was a really, at a really interesting venue, and and I did that. I mean, it was paid, not too much, but I did it really because. I was going to be playing with a well-established artist and the other musicians he was bringing in from other bands, you know, for guitar and drums and stuff. I was like, it's, it's good to be, you know, then a string person that they're going to know someone that they're going to be like, ah, oh, we might call them in the future. And that's happened before, you know, like they'll, during the gig, they ask, ah, oh, do you, do you, do you do sessions or do you ever do any other band work? And it's like, oh yeah, sure. Of course. Like that sort of thing. Like if you realize for networking, it might bring you something, I think it's okay to risk it. Or something totally unrelated is then to also, you know, organize gigs yourself that don't play. Sometimes it is fun, you know, to organize a good chamber group or if there's going to be an interesting uh, art gallery or, or, you know, an exhibition, um, you know, to offer playing some duos or something there. That is some type of exposure that does help because if it gets received well, then, then you can propose to the not hotel, like the art gallery, the museum, monthly chamber music concerts or a lecture recital on the artist and his work or something. You know, there are ways to, I think, you know, get your feet in the door, you know, with a free gig of sorts. I mean, this is not a 
gig per se. It is an issue of taking something for free. I would say maybe doing something for free. Um, as you guys know, I have a lot of experience doing outreach stuff with kids. Um, I'm actually a, a teaching artist in the state of Pennsylvania. And so that has been a journey to get there. And I started this whole part of my professional life back in Cincinnati. So that was 2011 and and built a program there. So for the first, gosh, how many years did I do it without getting paid? And that was building. So we, we were an outreach program connected to the Conservatory of Cincinnati. And we went out into schools and did after school programs. And so I directed that and I taught that I think two years I didn't get paid for that. And I would make sure my teachers got paid. But we had like no money, obviously, and then eventually was able to write grants and, and able to to get paid for that. And that honestly was invaluable experience, right? That was experience that I was able to gain not only in building a program. What does it mean to run a nonprofit? What does it mean to create a budget and a project plan and do grant writing? I was able to do that in a pretty amazing setting with at CCM. They have a fantastic, it's an MBA, uh, MA, I think is what it is, or MFA. I forget. I forget the letters yeah. that go with that. Yeah. Lots of it's letters. A mas- masters of something. Uh, yeah, of arts administration. It's a fantastic program. Um, and so I was able to work side by side with people to help me do that. And I learned so much. And I mean, what a unique experience and great skills I learned. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I came to since when I came to Erie after having built that program, passing it off, was able to to sort of have programs like that again. I remember talking to my husband and and just saying like, I mean, I never made any money doing it. At the end, I made like a little bit of money (laughs) and I was doing a huge amount of work and I built basically an entire department at the the, the university. And so I, I remember having a conversation with my husband where I was like, that was such a great experience and it was worth it. I will never do that again. Because honestly, and I was like, there becomes a point where you say, what I'm doing is good. And I don't mean that in a way like, oh my gosh, I'm the most awesome, because guess what, I'm not. But in saying that what I'm doing is actually great in an orchestra or whatever entity it is that is paying me should pay me. It's worth the money. Um, and it's right. it's worth the money for them to have yeah. that program. Do you mean like it was rewarding in ways of like other than monetarily is that kind of what- well not only did i gain all of that job experience mm-hmm. i mean now for example i have a list of recommendations that's like pages long of like fantastic people in the city of cincinnati that i had to work with because of the of what i was doing and that i mean and that i did for free but i had that in in response and i also gained the experience and the confidence to build a program on my own yeah because, I mean, right. did and anybody call you up and say, like, um, we need somebody to start a string pro- or start a start an after school program? Was this like this was your initiative to do? Right. right. So they actually weren't doing it. And I and I approached them with the idea and they didn't. They just like didn't have the means to do it. And they were going through like a dean change and all this kind of stuff. So I didn't want to take no for an answer. And so I just started on my own. Awesome. Right. And so I was like, this is I mean. A different conversation, but about how tough the public schools are in Cincinnati and how how sad the level of poverty there is. And I was like, we just have to do something. Are you kidding me? And music is such a great way to do that. And so like just saying like, no, we're just going to start it. And then they hopped on board after a year. Um, And it was a great opportunity for so many things. But I, I remember saying, you know, I obviously am older, too, and the maturity to say, like, I actually 
won't do it for free again. But, and right. I remember also having a conversation. I don't know if this is along the same lines or something a little bit different. Um, I was actually just listening to, oh no, can I say that? Yeah. I was actually just listening to a podcast yesterday after I listened to the Fantastic Per Service podcast. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> Shameless plug for ourselves. <laughs> Why not? Take it, guys. Um, right, the, yeah, it's a no. great podcast, so you should take it. Um, the, but the other one you were listening to. <laughs> it was Press Play with Madeline Brand, which is a, a political podcast. Mm. I am shamelessly into political podcasts. There was a recent study that came out about equal pay for women, blah, blah, all that kind of stuff. The, the gist of it basically was what people pay you is what they place your worth as. Um, and if we can go to church for a second, that's even in the Bible, right? Like where your money is, there your heart is, right? So good. And when I looked at education, I was like, these kids are worth it. Music is worth it. These kids are worth it. Music is worth it. Hallelujah! Take it to church. You can look at it in terms of a gig. My playing yeah. is worth it. And what people pay you is the value they put on it, right? So you can look at a society and say, I can see where the society's priorities are based on their budget, based on where they put their money. I can see where this person or this family's yeah. priorities are based on their where they spend taking it to church. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, this is so good because I mean, this, this is, you know, when we were talking about what do you prioritize for, for spending is like, just look at, just look at your bank account or your, your, your credit card statement. Like what you spend your money on is what you value. And mm-hmm. obviously when I did that for us, I was like, Oh, we eat out a lot. <laughs> I guess we really like eating. We like eating out. Um, but that's so also true is that if you, take too many of the free gigs or you you played so much for for exposure whatever it's like people are going to start pegging you as the guy who will play for free and it's like that's that's not good also to start have getting that reputation as the person who will play for right. free and you should turn that around and it's like well where everyone else is placing their priority is so when i was looking at the, the education stuff i was i was I just had this moment of realization where I was like, if I provide the service for free for the orchestra, for the community, for the families, there is no value placed on it. Even though obviously I'm looking at it and I'm like, these Hmm. kids have nothing. They live in poverty. They're homeless. My gosh, they need exposure to music. Like there's so many benefits that come through that with literacy, et cetera. But but it's important to do the program and make sure the community is putting money into it because the community Mm -hmm. needs to know that it's important. Right. And that's true of your playing. Yeah. If you give it away for free too much, um, you know, and I, I so <laughs> that's what we use for curse words. Did yeah. I say a bad word? No, no, no. Oh, you no. give it away for free or inappropriate stuff. Uh, sorry, inappropriate. Help Jess's face was <laughs> sorry, I, I was just. I was being bad. Finish your thought so that we can <laughs> That was the thought. It was just interesting. And in, in, in that podcast, the reason I even thought of that podcast was they had said women don't obviously even ask for more money. That is one of the biggest issues, or it is an issue of not having equal pay between men and women in the States, um, is that women don't ask. And it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, so you actually are worth that so you should you ask, are ask you should it. ask yeah right great <laughs> i actually have the interesting experience with that sarah where i did this wedding and i said i would do the ceremony and they're like well we really want a rehearsal and i was like no i don't i don't i don't do that like <laughs> and they were like well we really you know the it was something like where the father of the bride was a musician so like he wanted to have a, a rehearsal with the musicians and i was like no but if you <laughs> insist that's going to be an extra fee. And like I charged what I thought was enough money that they would be like, Oh, forget it. <laughs> like we don't, 
like, we'll just have you show up to the wedding. And then they were like, no, that's fine. And so I was like, oh, oh I was actually well, a little surprised <laughs> because um, most of the time that would have priced, I would have felt like they would have been like, because I do feel like music is usually on the low end of people's budget or people, you know what I'm saying? Like they, that's not where they're willing to put their money, whether it be for the, Oh yeah. Especially wedding for weddings. For, it's- you know, even as a community, like where they're going to put their donations or whatever. And so, yeah, I asked and I received and you should have asked for a million dollars. I should have, I should have, <laughs> but it was kind of cool. Cause it's right. like, Oh, they actually kind of care about it. Now we did have to play a piece from twilight for this wedding. So I was kind of like, this is, this is how we have a rehearsal. One step yes, exactly. Michael. It, it was that song. I every day waiting for it's, it's everywhere. Sorry. It is everywhere. It is in a lot, lot of weddings. Christian is not having it. <laughs> I'm just not interested, but no, he's no. back in his chair. So I'll just keep talking. We'll just keep talking until he segues us into our next topic. I think, I think Jess's story is our segue. <laughs> so anyway, is- that, I think that's a good, you can't always ask for things. Like there are a lot of um, gigs that you're just told this is what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so you have to decide if it's worth your time and effort. But then there well, are certain that- things like if you're contracting or whatever, mm-hmm. you can, you can ask. And then, yeah, you might get priced out or you might be told we can't do that. And then you, again, have the opportunity to decide if that's what you want to do. And there is room I for a- negotiating. Sorry, sometimes if you start if you start higher, what you're worth, like, and then, you know, maybe they say, hey, we can't quite do that, but we can do closer to that. Um, like, m- maybe, maybe, maybe it's still worth doing, but it's like you have to start. You start at what you're worth if you that's if, if you're setting your price. Sorry, Sarah, you had something. Um, I was going to ask you guys. So then how do you actually know what you're worth? Are you worth five dollars or are you worth a million dollars or maybe somewhere <laughs> in between you or really maybe are. just a million dollars? Well, I think you have to know your know your audience, know your uh, employer, because if you have like, like, let's say you have a master's degree and you're able to set your pricing for teaching, then you ask other people that have master's degrees in your area and you maybe, you know, just like take a poll of people that I feel like teaching is an easy one to know how to price yourself. Um, But I've learned here in New York that if you have... Um, there have been several times when we've been asked to perform a movement from a string quartet for like a house concert and you know that they're bougie people, then you are able to charge them a thousand dollars for an hour of work, um, for four people because they can afford, you just have to read your, your audience, your employer and know exactly, you know, where they're coming from, what resources they may have and what it's worth to them so that you can price yourself. Mm-hmm. accurately. Yeah, I think you definitely have to ask a couple people because also some people might not really tell you exactly. I, I wouldn't say that that they lie, that, that they're going to lie to you, but sometimes they will say like, oh, well, this is what I normally charge, but maybe they don't actually charge that to certain students. Like maybe they have a sliding fee scale. You know, there are lots of, you know, professionals, like there are lots of therapists. So there were doctors that have sliding fee scales. So it's not like music teachers are also like, oh, I always charge my top rate. Like sometimes they might not tell you that they don't charge their full rate, even though they say, oh yeah, I definitely charge $50 an hour, but maybe that's not always true. So for my freelancing, apart from music, so when I edit texts or write things for people or teach English privately, 
I always charge now. Like I tell them, like my current rate is fifty an hour, um, and usually, I mean, rarely does a private person say, "Okay, that's fine." Usually, they say, "Oh, that's a bit pricey," and then I often say, "Well." I can send you to someone else. I do have a colleague who charges less. And then I say, but honestly, uh, this person is not as good. They don't have the experience that I have. No, really, I say that. Like, they don't have the training I have. They don't teach at a university. They don't do this or that. And I said, they're fine and they'll get the job done if Mm -hmm. you just want this and that. And I said, but if you're really looking to change these things or see how it's done, I really explain the service that I provide they don't think, oh, for, for what I want or expect, that's too much. Then they have to really understand what you're offering and what you're worth. Huh? And then it makes sense to them. Because if they think it's someone who's just editing my text, 50 is too much. But if I say I'm going to correct all of your grammar mistakes, I'll point them out to you so you can don't have to make them again in the future. You know, this sort of thing. Like if they feel like they're learning from it or... That's fantastic, that's fine. Christian. Yeah. Or, and then sometimes I even say, and if they're looking for multiple lessons, say, if you buy 10 at one time, you know, I'll charge you 45 an hour instead of 50. I'll give yeah. you some sort of discount. Offer, like offer incentive. Yeah. Exactly. I think mm-hmm. there are ways to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that that's what I think. I think you can take that and use that too with your teaching, you, you know, whether it's music or, or English, like Christian's just saying, you know, explain exactly what you're teaching and why you deserve that price because of your background or your teaching experience, you know, all that stuff adds up. You have to look at it like a client. Exactly. Yeah. They're your students, but they're actually your clients and you have to look at it more like a business and they need to know exactly what the service they're going to be receiving. (laughs) Yeah. And and like, don't be afraid to like name drop because it's inappropriate to name drop in a, in a, a circle of colleagues, right? Everyone gets so annoyed with people, but when you're offering a service, performing or teaching, then you need to say, you need to name your accomplishments and not be afraid to talk yourself up because that's exactly what's going to provide that incentive for the buyer to be like, I play with this orchestra. I play with this group. I sub in this, like I play in this pit and then they're suddenly like, Oh, you're so amazing. And you're worth it. Now I, now I know that you're worth it. Right. Uh, Something for me learning about like selling and pricing and stuff is that people will often criticize the price or they'll say like, oh, that's just too much money. But really people don't necessarily buy things just because of the price. And a lot of times they buy things because of their emotions. They buy things because of this, this picture in their mind of what their wedding or what their, you know, beginning lessons is going to, is going to, how it's going to change their life. And so I think there are, that was a great example, Christian, of what like painting this picture of what what your services are going to provide and and how you're different because if it's just a numbers game that's a quick way to this like race to the bottom of just like oh well the other string quartets charges 100 well well maybe we should only charge 75 so that you know the, oh well, then they're going to change their prices to 50 it's this sort of like we're all going to lower our prices if if that's the only thing that you really think matters because it's not because there's so much more yeah and it's so crazy like having someone else to recommend in them to. I think that's something that we don't ever see in other areas of life. Like if you're going to buy a car, rarely will one car lot say, actually just go next door. Like it's cheaper or whatever. Like that's, that's not going to happen. And there's some sort of sort of psychological effect right. that like happens when they realize like, oh, they're willing to recommend someone else. They must really be good or really be confident that they don't need to like sell themselves short. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. Like if you say, this is what I offer. This is my standard. I'm not going to go below that. If you want to go below that, that's fine. Go to my colleague. Here you go. But I also think that when we 
lower our prices or maybe we'll say, okay, we'll do this for $125. But you're really like Anna, <laughs> like Anna, she's doing three jobs for the price of not even one. And, you know, there's a time and place for that. But you actually also, it's it's not just showing that maybe you don't value yourself enough, but you're actually doing a huge disservice to your colleagues because you're I don't know. It's the opposite of price gouging in some ways. Like if you are willing to do so many things for like not enough money, you really do a disservice to your fellow colleagues and you put yourself in a hole then where, I mean, I've had it where I, you know, I'm like, I don't want to do, I don't want to play for this contractor because they make too many promises Mm -hmm. for me about what I am willing to do for a certain amount of money. If that makes, I was just going to say, there's a time and a place for knowing when it's acceptable and knowing when it's not like to a certain degree. And a lot of times as Sarah can vouch for it's when you're starting a nonprofit, that's absolutely necessary for maybe a year or two to not take money. But that is, I feel like that's the exception to the rule. Otherwise doing work for free should not ever be the norm because like you said, it is doing a disservice to everyone around you and your profession. Well, and I've had people, you know, recommend me for things, but they said, Oh, she'll do this, this and this for X amount of money. And then I've gotten the emails and I'm like that. No, I won't. You know, I won't do that because you're asking me to do so many things for not, you know what I'm saying? So Oh, I'm just saying yeah. like that, those are people that I will not play for okay. anymore because I don't appreciate my time being sold at a price that I would not sell my time for. Yeah. I think this is something where this really is uh, specifically comes up is if you're contracting a wedding that if you're going to be doing all the communicating with the bride, all the contracting of other musicians and uh, getting all the music in order and stuff like all, those are all tasks that you need to charge a contracting fee for. And a lot of people don't think, Oh, like, Oh, I can't charge this extra. It's not right for me to make more money. But then when I call Jess and Anna to only pay them less, like, no, you need to do that. <laughs> like, yeah. And we well, all and understand we it. it. We, yeah. And I Greg expect- and I learned that in Austin, we were doing like three weddings a weekend. We started having contracts and putting in a contractor's fee and it made the process way more bearable. <laughs> Sarah is, so no, I'm going to, I'm going to switch it over to Sarah here because I'm, I'm, this is, this is what I was trying to do. Um, you, so I think- but you overlooked the fact that i have played a wedding before <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> whose Sarah's... wedding was it can we remember who asked oh. to have a bassoon and oboe <laughs> duet at their wedding do you guys remember who that was i think um was it michael his name is Schmeichel. Schmeichel. i don't know <laughs> schmo giblin <laughs> yeah i'm probably one of the few people that asked for uh the poulenc trio i was gonna say fun fact for all my double rate friends we played the playing trio the second movement and we pickerty thirded the end it was (laughs) fantastic because it's actually depressing sure he rolled over plank rolled over in his grave it's okay yeah. it was a disservice but no, also it was very sweet it. and we love you like, both he knew that it was for a good cause <laughs> for we also had to tune the piano and the man that tuned it had oh to come in gosh. with an oxygen tank on wheels <laughs> and <laughs> the wheels the pedals were so squeaky we had to take vaseline out of my purse and put them on the pedals but yeah. anyways oh if you, it was a fantastic if you wedding. ever want to improve <laughs> that on weddings something always goes wrong like point in case in my own wedding, I was say, this was just um, like. Also, at my wedding, it rained on all three of you. 
So love you guys. Love you guys. Um, yeah. So it's interesting because we can talk about like, how do you even figure out the price that you're supposed to have? Because, um, you know, obviously you're not going to be walking up to the concert master of the orchestra and saying like, Hey, how much do you charge for lessons? I mean, maybe you can, if you have a good relationship with Mm -hmm. them, but you can't just walk into an orchestra, never have met the person and do that. So for me, it was an issue of like, this is a whole new world for me. How do I even know what to charge Do again, do I charge $5 or do I charge a million dollars? Like no point of reference. Where do I even, where do I even start that journey? And honestly, I think it takes a lot of confidence. I mean, you you have to be careful in the business world. There are often legal reasons you can't discuss salaries, but in our world, it's, it's not like that. So finding people that can be mentors, I think is so critical and maybe a mentor in your field that you is older or more experienced and in the area longer that you can have, I don't want to call it an intimate conversation, but a trusted conversation might be a better way to say that a trusted conversation about, about pricing and scaling and all that kind of stuff. That's one thing I would absolutely suggest doing, especially when, if it's a new area you're moving to, like when you move to Indianapolis, Jess, um, when I moved to Erie, like I can't charge what Anna would charge in New York in Erie. <laughs> well, I could, but there are no bassoons anyway, so whatever. You know, it's 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 important to do that, but also if it's a new profession for you is important important to to have good advice on that. Um the other thing I would suggest doing and this is something I do now because it can be hard. We can be somewhat self-effacing and we've talked about the inner critic and all the things that come with that to be confident in in self-worth. I will sometimes think of if I knew me, if I were, this is going to be kind of funny to think about, but if I knew me as a different person, what would that person be worth for this job? How much should that person make for, I just finished a 60 day residency. It was over 20 weeks and wrote the curriculum myself for three units. So like, what should that person be paid for all of the time, mm. including curriculum, meetings, grant writing, like all those things combined. How much does that person actually deserve with all that time? Oh, it's actually I would do this much. And that's and then it's like, OK, then that is how much I should ask for. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I think like separating yourself from yourself is helpful because we have all these self-doubts about like, oh, I'm, but I can't charge. I'm not worth that. Well, and then you have to follow through. So like, okay, now I'm charging this amount of money and I'm going to do a good job. Be that coming prepared to a gig, be that having the lesson plans and materials ready, et cetera. That's an important thing. (laughs) Okay. So if someone books you for an hour, yes, you're using your expertise for that hour, but that doesn't mean your expertise doesn't exist all the hours leading up to the gig and afterwards, right? They're paying also in theory for your education, for your practicing, for your artistry, for your organizational skills, right? It's it's everything that they're paying for the quality of your service. And I think that's something really worth remembering. And I, I like how you said, Michael, separating yourself from it. If you realize how much would I be willing to pay for the exact same service from someone of great caliber? And then if you say, oh, actually it is 60 an hour, then okay, I feel that that it's amazing how empowering that feels when you realize, oh, I, I can charge that much for myself and feel okay about it. Not only feel okay about it, feel good about it, feel confident. And I think customers pick up on that. They pick up on someone who's confident when they're honest about it um, rather than someone mm-hmm. who's just trying to make right. a quick the, buck. 
I know they can smell the desperation of like yeah, or or, or or they can smell someone who's maybe lying or kind of sleazy about it. You know, like oh, I charge a hundred. You know, and it's like, well, actually, why? Like, you're not exuding confidence in artistry. You're exuding someone who's just trying to weasel money out of me. Well, and isn't there there's that entire marketing strategy in terms of price point where you can put the same object in front of people and charge different amounts and people often want to pay more because they think it's worth more if it's a higher cost. I'm sure I am not in business at all, obviously, from my very terrible description of that. But you understand what I'm saying, where people put higher value, again, looping back to what we said before. And when you charge more, they often think they're getting a better service. Not that you want to, oh, yeah. I'm not saying you should, yeah. we should try and like gimmick them out of money. But when you charge less, it's, you know, it's valued less. Right. And, and so, you yeah, know, absolutely. and people are like, oh, this is the lesson with this, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah. well, actually it is worth that much. So. Mm-hmm. There is a fantastic book. So part of my artist diploma, we had to take a couple of classes that were about what it means to build a musical career in today's world, which was fantastic. And honestly, mm-hmm. which should probably be a part of every music degree and now right, yeah. in the world now. And maybe it is because also I've been out of school for a while. <laughs> All person alert. <laughs> but anyways, this is uh, it's one of the books that I loved. It's called Beyond Talent. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you can do your fancy linking to the notes, et cetera, Michael. Yeah. Um, Beyond Talent, Creating a Successful Career in Music by Angela Beeching. And maybe you guys have heard of it before. Oh, yeah. um, and I think it's so important. I mean, it obviously, there's a whole lot that goes into the book beyond just like pricing. Um, and I know you've talked about this on shows before, but in, in today's world as a musician, we're not just doing that traditional path. And so all of a sudden are required to have skills as entrepreneurs or, or business people that we wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. have had. And, and part of that is knowing mm-hmm. how to price a product if the yeah. product is us. And so anyways, yeah. this book is super, I, I would really highly suggest it, especially if you're um, maybe getting a master's or just leaving college or actually even in your undergrad, it's, it's a fantastic resource. Yeah. And there are other yeah. books like it, but that's just the one I know off the top of my head. It's great. These are all like awesome yeah. things to think about. I mean, just something I've really didn't think about as right fresh out of college was that if you, you know, accept a wedding gig and you're making a hundred dollars, like you don't get to keep all a hundred dollars. Like you have to pay taxes. And as a freelancer, as a self-employed, you lose a lot of that money just like just on taxes alone. So, so many, many dollars. dollars. Oh my gosh. We just did it. And yeah. I know. Let's, I know. I, that's why <laughs> I'm having this reaction. on tax season right now. It's in three days, right. you guys. Three that's days. why I'm having this reaction because I'm I like, know, oh like, my gosh. Oh. And I just got a letter from the IRS and they're like, you actually owe a couple hundred more dollars. <laughs> uh, I was like, are you kidding me? I know. They were like, Anna Luce, that one that lives in that building, you. you. We yeah. want more money for you. We want more the money. Like, even the places where they take out the taxes. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, freaking FICA. Right? <laughs> or is it FICO? I don't know. Either one. FICO like your card. That's, that's my FICO. credit <laughs> report. Credit score, I mean. That's my credit score. So FICA is the one that's taking out my yeah, money. Yeah. And Social Security, which I won't even get. <laughs> but that's a whole different <laughs> story. That's a whole we need topic. another podcast. Hey, but guys, yeah. shout out to the union because I have dental insurance and got to have a root canal this week because I <gasps> finally got enough union work. Yay, me. Should I get insurance through the union? Okay, different yeah, topic. Se- separate topic. This <laughs> Sorry, is I just found out I'm going to lose my insurance because I now make too much money and they think I don't qualify, oh, even though man. I make $4. Well, we will do a separate um, episode on insurance, but this yeah, has been I- great, you guys. Any final thoughts? You know, I really like what Sarah said. And then Michael said about like, you know, how if you were going to give your friend a job, 
doing the same thing you're doing, how much would you want them to be paid for that job? So that's a great, that's a great point. And then it is helpful to find a mentor, especially if you're doing something like podcasting and you've never done it before or educational outreach or teaching lessons and finding, you know, and it's great to have connections and networking in general. Right. I think, yeah, people want to help. They want to answer your questions. If you ask them, like nobody's like, I'm not going to, I don't think if you ask somebody, they would ever say, I'm, I'm not going to tell you <laughs> like they, people want to be helpful. Yeah. Actually my professor for my undergrad, my teacher for my undergrad had a master student who was interested in outreach and, and forwarded her information to me. And I was like, so excited to get to talk to her about yeah. it. Yeah. Asking you shall receive is maybe the, one of the going back to church. Yeah. We're going back to church. You'll see, because he's going to put it in the episode. I was thinking, what was that rock song? Is that Ho- Hosier? Take Hosier me to church. I don't know where Lay Howard goes. Another old person. Hosier? Hosier? Who are these? What the snapper kids? Hoosier? Hoosier? Who's your mama? Okay. All right, Sarah. It's. I am just so thankful to have gotten to do this. This was a blast. Thank you so much for joining us. Bassoon is the best. And also, oh, whoops. Oh, gosh. It's okay, Michael. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right, guys. I'm Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Wiersma. (laughs) Sorry, I totally forgot. You You go last. I totally forgot what was happening. All right, guys. I'm Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Wiersma. I'm Christian Marshall. And I'm Sarah Lee. I wish I could have done a bassoon trumpet. (laughs) That would have been cool. Also, I seriously forgot what was happening for a second. I'm sorry. Well, that is our show, folks. Thanks again so much to Sarah Lee for joining us today. Man, there are so many great things to think about. Are there some self-limiting thoughts that you're believing? Try writing them down and telling them to your friend. Chances are you won't do that because it'd be too insulting. So stop saying those same things to yourself then. Also, do you have a mentor or some colleagues who can help you figure out how much you can charge? And lastly, can you think of someone else with your same experience and credentials and ask, what should they be paid? Once you have that figured out, the last step is to have the confidence to actually charge it. Well, if that was enjoyable for you, would you help us out and leave us a rating or a review in iTunes? People love reviews, and the more we get, the more people will find our show. And the more people who find our show, well, it gets kind of complicated after that. You can follow along with us during the week on Instagram. We are at Perservice Podcast, and we greatly appreciate the support from Siri Bloom, Kathleen Lavengood, Sarah Lee, and Ann Bergman for supporting our show on Patreon. Today, you you are you, and that is truer than true. There is no one else alive who is youer than you. And if you, dear listener, would like to join the community of supporters, head over to perservice.co slash patron, or just search for our show on patreon.com. With your financial support, we can continue to make this show better and reach more people and also make it more often. Wouldn't that be nice? I think it'd be nice. Well, again, you can find everything about this episode and more on our show notes page, which is perservice.co slash 26. And I leave you now with these words of wisdom from Winnie the Pooh. Always remember you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. We'll see you again in two weeks. Until then, be well and practice well. (laughs) 
Mä, 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 mä,